Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the City Point Church Sermon Podcast, where our desire is to help you follow Jesus. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you are listening from, we believe that God has something in store for you through today's message. I want to welcome you this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here at City Point Church, and if you are new or newer with us, our rhythm is that we take books of the Bible, we break them down into paragraphs, and we just go verse by verse, line by line, and we just work through them. And we trust the Spirit of God that has superintended the writing of His Scripture to speak to us and to change us and to transform us and to shape us. And so that is what we are going to do beginning today, a brand new series. I have mapped it out, 106 messages will take us all the way through the book of Matthew. So uh, let's, let's try for perfect attendance, okay, right? <laughs> like, I don't even think I'm going to get perfect attendance. 106 messages that will take us all the way through the book of Matthew, and I really am excited about what I believe God wants to do. These decisions on which book to preach next, it's not just close your eyes and kind of throw a dart at a board of the books of the Bible and see which one we want to do next. Prayer has gone into this. Preparation has gone into this. Our pastor team has discussed this. And we believe that this is what God has for us. And so open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. I have entitled this message, Prologue, The Kingdom is Coming. The Kingdom is Coming. We're going to have some confession time here in church. Is that okay? How many of you, when you start a new book, you skip the prologue, the forward, and the introduction, and you go right to chapter one, okay? Let me see where you are. Okay, I'm in good company, because I do the same thing. There's something about it. It's like, what is all that stuff even about? Does that even matter? Let's just get to the good stuff, chapter one. The problem is you often, and I often, we often, when we do that, we, we miss some important details. We miss the backstory. I never really got fully immersed in the Marvel movies, but back in 2019, there was a lot of buzz over the Avengers Endgame. And so I had seen one, maybe two Marvel movies. I hadn't seen any of the Avengers, and Amy and I decided we were going to take a date night, we were going to go to the theaters, and we were going to watch Avengers Endgame. Now, if you are a Marvels fan, you will know the problem with this situation that's taking place here. The entire movie is the culmination of the 21 movies before it. The main plot of that particular movie is the weaving together of several subplots that you have to have all of the background information in your mind and understanding what's going on to even, to even understand what's happening in this movie. So here we are as Marvel newbies sitting in the theater completely lost. We enjoyed it. It was a good movie. I mean, the reality is any of these Marvel movies, they stand alone and they're good movies in and of themselves. But there is a ton of backstory that we just completely missed. And the reality is the book of Matthew is an amazing book and it stands alone. Many of us the past three weeks have been reading through the book of Matthew. I presented this challenge to our church family three weeks ago and we have been journeying for the past three weeks through the book of Matthew. It's a great book and it stands alone, but there is a ton of backstory. So here's what we're gonna do. You're in Matthew chapter one and here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn a couple pages to the left. And I want you to join me in Malachi 
chapter 4. Now, if you're one of the ones who brought your scripture journal this morning, you're going to hate me right now because you have a Matthew scripture journal and it does not have Malachi chapter 4 in it. I promise you this is the only curveball I will be throwing you over the next 106 weeks, okay? But I want to start in Malachi chapter 4 because I want to make sure that we don't sit in the movie theater watching Avengers Endgame and we don't have the backstory. So follow along with me if you're using the Bible underneath the chair rack, page 754 will get you right to Malachi chapter 4. We're going to read the whole chapter here. The prophet by the name of Malachi, or if you want the Italian version, it's Malachi. (laughs) He writes this in verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And thus ends part one to the story. So here's the big idea. It's going to be just a little different, just a little unique. But here's the big idea that sits over top of Malachi 4. Matthew will open anticipating the arrival of God's kingdom. See, Matthew, which we'll get to next week, Matthew opens anticipating everything that part one finishes off with, anticipating the arrival of the king and the arrival of God's kingdom. Matthew is a continuation of the story of Israel and of Israel's God. Give you a quick flyover. In Genesis 12, God chose in his sovereign grace one nation from among all of the other nations to to be his representative people, and that was the people of Israel. And so in Genesis 12, there is a supernatural conception where a woman who is well past the age of childbearing conceives and bears a son, and through that son would come the seed of God's people. In the book of Exodus, that people, the Israelites, would be in bondage to the nation of Egypt, but God would rescue them and God would redeem them and he would save them. And then the people of God would be baptized by crossing through the Red Sea. And on the other side of the Red Sea, God's prophet Moses would go up into a mountain and he would receive the law, God's God's covenant promise with his people so that God's people would be distinct and different as they would live according to that law. And the rest of the Old Testament from Exodus to Malachi chapter 4 is a downward spiral of spiritual infidelity. As the people of God are not faithful to that covenant that he made with Moses on the mountain. As the people of God, and not just the people of God, but even the leaders of the people of God fail 
to be faithful to that covenant that God made with them until ultimately God would judge his people by allowing them to be taken captive by the smaller K kingdoms of the world. But hope would remain. The people of God knew that one day there would be a new exodus, a new covenant, a new nation, a new Jerusalem, a new temple, all under the rule of a new king. And so what happens is we get to the end of part one in Malachi chapter four, and there is this mixture of judgment and hope. As the people of God are still anticipating and still waiting and still longing for that day. There are some Bible teachers that would propose that we need to take the Old Testament and unhitch it from the New Testament. That they believe that the New Testament stands alone and we just kind of need to disregard everything of the Old Testament. But listen, that's very dangerous to do. Because when we unhitch the New Covenant from the Old Covenant, we miss, or even worse, misinterpret what God is wanting to speak to us through the New Covenant. And so today, before we launch into Matthew chapter 1, we want to hitch Matthew to what was going on preceding it. So Malachi sits in the middle of a rich story about God's kingdom that is not yet finished. So this is the big idea. Matthew will open next week with the anticipation of the arrival of God's kingdom. So here's the question that I believe Malachi 4 will answer for us. How will we know that the kingdom has arrived? How will we know that the kingdom has come onto the scene? There are three confirmations, three evidences, if you will, from Malachi 4, that when the kingdom comes, we will see it, recognize it, and know it. So if you're keeping notes, the outline is going to look like this. When the kingdom arrives, number one, justice will be dealt to all evil. When the kingdom arrives, justice will be dealt to all evil. It's right in verse 1 of Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Understand that God's kingdom has always had an enemy. In the text here, it calls them the arrogant and the evildoers. These are not the victims, these are the victimizers. And the people of God have always been under the oppression of the enemy. Whether it was the Egyptians in Exodus or later on the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians or when we open up the book of Matthew, the people of God are still under the governing thumb of Rome. And there is this theme, one of the main themes, one of the main subplots woven through the book of Matthew is that there, is, there are two kingdoms at play here and it is the conflict of kingdoms. And it is not just man versus man. This isn't Jesus versus Caesar. This is Jesus versus Satan. And this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis because the spiritual evil skulking underneath the wicked works of humanity goes back to a deceptive serpent in the garden. That unseen realm underneath the affairs of men that is working the wickedness in the world today. But a day of definitive justice is coming. And Malachi uses this analogy, burning like an oven. 
Fire oftentimes in scripture has this picture of refining the people of God. And that is true in Malachi chapter 3. But in Malachi chapter 4, this is not God refining his people. This is God judging the evil, wicked works of darkness. And a day of definitive justice is going to be coming, verse 1, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. That word in the Greek version of the Old Testament is the word straw or chaff. When you fast forward to the New Testament, when John, the cousin of Jesus, speaks about Jesus, but just before he comes on the scene in Matthew 3, verse 12, John says this about Jesus. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff, the arrogant Evildoers from Malachi 4, he, Jesus, will burn with unquenchable fire. When we talk about judgment, we often think of it negatively. And then when we talk about justice, we often think of it positively. But really, these two must work together. Because judgment is the decisive ruling that brings justice to evil for the oppressed. And so Jesus is the king Come to bring justice. Jesus is the king who will come onto the scene in the book of Matthew, and that is good news for those who are oppressed. That is good news for those who are under the, the cloak of darkness and the bondage of evil. The proverb says about a king in Proverbs 16, it is an abomination. That's a pretty strong word. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. The wicked kings and the evil kings, it was an abomination when they would do things that were evil and contrary to God's covenant law with his people. But when the one true king comes and establishes his throne, he will not do thing, those things that are abominable, but instead he will do those things that will establish his throne in righteousness. So Jesus, the king, established his throne by righteousness when he disarmed the rulers and authorities on the cross, putting them to an open shame, rising again three days later in triumphant victory over death, which is the arsenal of evil, and now giving to us that abundant life. Justice for those who are oppressed by evil. The cross was the inauguration of justice. It was the beginning but one day, someday, and we believe it will be soon, at his second coming will be the full consummation of justice against evil. So at the cross it began. One day when Jesus comes back, it will be fully consummated and it will be complete. And that is the day when the root and the branch will be completely eradicated of those who are evil. But what happens in between? What about today? What about for you and for me? See, yes, on the cross it began, and yes, one day soon it will be complete and it will be ended. But what about today as we look at the world around us? So oftentimes we are startled and dismayed by the evil that still lurks in the shadows. And so we, as kingdom civilians, in between the tension of the already not yet of the kingdom, we are to live our lives in such a way to bring that kingdom justice now. That we are not to be part of the problem. And we are also not to just be standing on the sidelines, but instead we are to be part of the solution. We who have had justice brought to the evil of sin in our life are now to bring that justice to the world. 
As we look at the world around us, sometimes we can be overwhelmed by how much needs to be done. What difference can we really make? What difference could one church like ours make in the city of Tempe? What difference could we make as we think about all of the evil and all of the wrong that is still very much alive and at work in the world today? It's reminded of the story. You might be familiar with it. There was an old man one day who had gotten a little bit cynical in his older years and he was walking the beach one morning after a great storm had washed up tens of thousands of starfish on the, the, the seashore. And as he was walking this seashore, this ocean shoreline, stepping over the piles of the starfish that had been strewn to die, he saw off in the distance a young boy who was picking up one starfish and chucking it off into the ocean and walking a little bit more and picking up a starfish and chucking it off into the ocean. As that older man approached that boy, he said, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, these starfish have been washed up from the storm and the heat of the day is just a few hours away and if I don't make a difference and if I don't get some of these back into the water, they're going to die in the heat. And that cynical man said, what difference do you really think you're going to make? That little boy reached down, took one more starfish from the ground and he chucked it out farther than he had thrown all the others out into the ocean and he said to the old man, I just made a difference to that one. You know what it's going to take for us as the people of God who are now civilians of this kingdom? It's going to take one person at a time, one day at a time, one conversation at a time as we bring light to the darkness, as we bring justice to the oppressed. We are now the people of this kingdom. Christ has given to us that justice and dealt it to our sin, but now we are to take it to the world. When the kingdom of God arrives, the reign of darkness will be over. Number two, when the kingdom arrives, how will we see it? How will we know that it has come? When the kingdom arrives, number two, healing will dawn like the sun. Healing will dawn like the sun. This is verses two and three of our text in Malachi 4. He continues, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies. But for you who fear my name, understand for the people of God, fear and faith are close cousins. They look a lot alike. We are not fearing as one who is afraid of judgment because there is now therefore no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ. But there is a reverential awe and a reverential trust that accompanies the people of God who have given believing loyalty to the one true God. For you who fear my name, when the kingdom arrives, there is this expectant hope for God's people that healing will come. That healing is just on the horizon. It will look like this. Freedom for the captive and deliverance from evil. There will be freedom from captivity. He says, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. As a calf that is locked up, fenced in by that gate, but that gate is finally open, that stall is finally open, and that calf goes out and leaps because that captivity is over and they are now free. But there is also the deliverance from evil. When you shall tread down the wicked, there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when God acts. 
Fast forward 400 years to the book of Matthew. A prophet comes on the scene by the name of John and his father, Zechariah, prophesies about Jesus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Luke 178. Zechariah says about Jesus, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. What a choice of words to describe Jesus. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. As we read and follow the life and ministry of Jesus, what do we find? Healing. We find healing. We find the sun of righteousness rising with healing in its wings. Jesus offered freedom from captivity, whether it was those who were captive to blindness or those who were captive to palsy or those who were captive to leprosy or those who were captive even to death. They are being healed and they are being set free. Jesus comes on the scene in the book of Matthew and he is offering freedom for those who were held captive by religion, those who were held captive by the law, those who were held captive by the categories of society. Like the calf that is being released from the stall, people are being set free because the son of righteousness has come. But not only is Jesus offering freedom from captivity, as Malachi 4 predicts, but Jesus is also offering deliverance from evil, from the unseen realm of darkness. The one whose name is above every other name, the one who has authority over all of creation, is saying to the maniac of Gadara, you no longer have to be bound by these physical chains and you no longer have to be bound by these spiritual chains. Jesus is coming on the scene and releasing those bound by, by demonic possession and oppression. And then I love the scene when Jesus is caught by the religious leaders, when he is caught dining with sinners and outcasts and former prostitutes and those that society would have nothing to do with, when he is caught by the religious leaders of the day, what does Jesus say to them? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're not sick, I didn't come for you. Now we know what's going on there with those religious people. They were sick, they just didn't know it. They were sick with a different kind of a disease. Those who were sitting around the table with Jesus, they were sick as well, but they knew it. And so they, they came to the great physician. They came to the great healer. Understand that the word healing in the New Testament can also be translated as salvation. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, we see the sun of righteousness rising with healing in its wings. And if I could take a little bit of liberty this morning and offer to you my personal observation, and you can take this, you can leave it, you can disagree with it, and that's fine. But I believe that there is no greater generation in need of healing than our present day generation. We need the son of righteousness to rise with healing in his wings. Yes, for our sickness to sin, but there are so many other areas where we as a people need the healing of God. And if you were here last Sunday, it was such a special and unique day as we collectively and corporately confessed our laments to God. And I stood right up here before uh, or during that service and I made statement after statement after statement. And if you agreed with that statement, you had a blue light stick and you held it up in the air. 
And from my, from my perspective, as I, as I made statements like I have, I struggle with anxiety and I struggle with fear and I still struggle with addictions and I had to bury a child and I have had sorrow and loss. As I stood here and made those statements, I couldn't see your faces, but I could see the light sticks going up all around the room. And what struck me last Sunday is how pain is unanimous. Every single one of us. Our prayer team was swarmed last week because we're a people who are hurting. We're a people who are broken. We are a people who need healing. This week I had conversations with various people. One person is fighting for a broken marriage. Another person was fighting an abusive marriage. Somebody else is struggling with suicidal thoughts. Somebody else is being demonized by their past. Another family came in because they've been living on the streets for two years and they're trying to get back on their feet. Those were just conversations from this week. And so if you are here this morning and you need healing, understand you are not in the minority. You are in the majority. And so the arrival of the kingdom and its king is good news. It's good news for those who are sick. It's good news for those who are broken. It's good news for those who are hurting. And if you are here this morning and you are saying, John, I am one of those people, I need healing. Maybe it is spiritually. Maybe you are stuck in your sin and you need the salvation of the healer. But maybe you've already come to Christ for spiritual healing, but you are also struggling with mental healing or physical healing or relational healing. Whatever it might be in your life, the good news is that when the kingdom arrives, with that kingdom comes the king and the king rises like the sun with healing in its wings. Doctors have determined that the sun has healing qualities, the physical sun. They've even prescribed to people time in the sun. It has a way of regulating your blood pressure, lowering your cholesterol, getting your immune system healthy. It even improves your sleep and your overall well-being. And so they will prescribe to people, hey, you need some time in the sun. Get some vitamin D. Get some of those UV rays, especially those of us in Arizona. We get it all year round. Because the sun has power to bring healing, and so does Jesus. So when the kingdom arrives, you will see the sick receiving healing, the anxious finding rest, the terrorized experiencing peace, and the broken being made whole again. It's good news. It's good news. The kingdom has arrived. When the kingdom arrives, number one, justice will be dealt to all that is evil. When the kingdom arrives, healing will dawn like the sun. And number three, when the kingdom arrives, returning will define God's people. Returning will define God's people. The last three verses of Malachi 4 conclude the book of Malachi and these these three verses conclude the entire part one of God's story. Verse 4, God says to the people, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God is saying two things to the people of God in the book of Malachi as he concludes it. Number one, God is saying right now you need to return to the covenant. 
Right now you need to return to the covenant that I gave to Moses on that mountain so many years ago. One scholar said of verse 4 that the whole of the Pentateuch is summed up in this verse. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. And all of it is summarized in verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Now in a couple of weeks, in Matthew chapter 5, we are going to see God once again on a mountain bringing his kingdom commands to his people. And the parallel between Moses on Mount Sinai and Jesus preaching a sermon in Matthew chapter 4, the parallels between those two is not an accident. God will call his people to kingdom living. But here in Malachi, he is saying, you need to come back. God in his grace is calling them to return to the covenant relationship that he made with Moses. But then the second thing God is saying is that someday... A prophet is going to come. A prophet like Elijah will come and he will have a message and that message that he preaches is going to cause the hearts of the fathers and the children to turn back to one another and they will, they will turn and return and come back to me. He says in verse 6, and he, this prophet that, that Malachi calls Elijah, will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Here's what's going on in verse 6. What, what God is saying to Malachi is he's saying in verse 6 that the children of future generations will turn their hearts back to the faith of the fathers of previous generations through the preaching of this prophet. And if they don't, there is a warning. If they do not return... God says, I will send a curse. I will strike the land. Now, we don't have to guess. We don't have to guess who the prophet Elijah would be. The people of God were looking for Elijah to show up, and maybe that's why they missed him when he came on the scene, looking a whole lot different than they expected. The angel, when he gives his announcement to Zechariah, who is the father of John and the uncle of Jesus, the angel says, and he, John, will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so John comes on the scene in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And he doesn't look a whole lot like Elijah. And he's not what people would expect for this final prophet to come and to prepare the way for the Messiah to enter onto the scene. He's a little backwards. He's living in the desert. He's eating locusts and honey. He's covered in camel skins. But people start to hear his message and they start to follow him. And they start to gather. And he's preaching a very clear message in Matthew 3 verse 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and here's his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are no longer waiting. We are no longer anticipating. We are no longer expecting. It has arrived. Repent, which means what? Return. Turn your heart back to the faith of your fathers. Come back to the message of Yahweh, the God of, the, uh, the God of Israel. The God of the Old Testament. And so those, as we read the book of Matthew, those who are coming and gathering around John, this prophet in the wilderness as he's preaching, they begin to hear this message. They are the ones, they are the children 
whose hearts are being turned back to the faith of their fathers. And then what does John do? He goes down to the Jordan River, which is significant. He goes down to the Jordan River where thousands of years prior the people of God had crossed that Jordan River into the promised land. He goes down to the Jordan River and he takes this gathering of people and he baptizes them. And what those people were saying by being baptized by John is that we are the people of God. We are the people of God who are expecting the coming king, who are anticipating the arrival of the Messiah and the kingdom that he will establish. And so you know what's amazing? You know what just like blows my mind? Is that Jesus comes down to the Jordan River and he allows himself to be baptized by John. And Jesus, by being baptized by John, is establishing himself as a member of God's community that is anticipating the coming of the Messiah and the arrival of the kingdom. The fulfillment of the prophecy is entering into the promise. He is marking himself, setting himself aside as a member of God's community awaiting the kingdom. Our propensity as God's people is to wander. But God's propensity is to pursue. God in his grace calls us again and again and again and again to return. So when the kingdom arrives, it will be marked by the people of God turning and returning and coming back establishing and setting themselves apart from the world as the people of God living in that kingdom. Our wandering is not surprising to God. And so he sends a prophet. I don't know what prophet God has sent into your life. Sometimes God will send the prophet of a message, a sermon that's preached and God just uses it in our life to turn our hearts back to him. Sometimes God will send the prophet of somebody in our life group. They don't know they're being a John the Baptist in the moment. They don't know they're being a prophet in the moment. But God is using them because our hearts have wandered. And, and, that, and that, that week before, our, our, our mind has been clouded by the things of the world. And we've gotten caught up in the things of life around us. And God will use somebody in a life group to call us back. God will use somebody to pray over us. And that prayer that they pray over us just has this way of resetting our mindset. And, and stirring our affections again for the kingdom. And God is so good and God is so kind to send that prophet just when we need it to call us back. And while we have a propensity to wander, God is just continually gracious to pursue. Don't miss the message of the prophet. Don't miss the message of God's grace in your life. If you have walked away, if you have wandered away, if you right now are wandering away, come back to Jesus. Because when the kingdom arrives in your life and in a church, we will see people coming back to the Savior. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Noah. And God had a purpose and a plan for Noah. And for 120 years, Noah would build an ark and preach a message that judgment was coming. That God would send a flood and judge the evil of the world. Well, in Genesis chapter 7, God goes to Noah and he says, okay, it's time. And I want you to take your family and I want you to take the, the animals and I want you to get on the ark. And then God says this, I'm going to send rain in seven more days. 
Seven more days? It's been 120 years of preaching that this was going to happen. And God, you're going to wait seven more days? Why not just close the door and get on with it? Because seven days represents seven more days of opportunity for people to turn. Seven more, oppor- seven more days of opportunity for people to repent. Seven more days of opportunity for the world to hear the message and to heed the prophet Noah and to come to the God of Israel. And the God of the Old Testament is the same God today. He's the God that keeps the door open seven more days. He's the God who calls us back to the covenant relationship over and over and over and over again. And he's the God who will send one more backwards prophet eating honey and locusts in the desert to bring us back so that we will return once again to the God of Israel. It's who he is. So if you have wandered... If you are in the middle of wandering, hear my voice this morning and come back and return and do not continue to wander. God is good and kind and gracious to receive you. When the kingdom arrives, there will be a grassroots revival of people turning and returning to God. So here's the big idea. It's a little different. Matthew will open anticipating the arrival of this kingdom. When we drop into chapter 1, which I promise we will do next week. When we start next week in chapter 1, verse 1, with a whole bunch of names and a whole bunch of genealogy, and you're like, what in the world is going on? You have to understand that there has been this expectation and anticipation that a kingdom was coming that would be ruled by a king very different from all of the other kings of all of the other kingdoms. There is a ton of stuff going on before Matthew chapter 1. We don't want to miss it, and we don't want to misinterpret it. So Malachi chapter 4 is God's final word to his people. If you know the story of Scripture, you know that there will be 400 years of silence after the period that you read at the end of verse six. 400 years of nothing before this Elijah prophet would enter onto the scene. This is his final word. And when the kingdom arrives, this is how you will know it has come. Justice will be dealt to all evil. Healing will rise like the sun and returning will define God's people. Understand that when the kingdom arrives in your life, these things will be true about you as well. When the kingdom arrives in your life, justice will be dealt to the evil of your sin. Healing will rise like the sun and returning will define you as a person and a follower of Jesus. But understand this, and I've already said it in this message and I will say it for the next 105 sermons because we have to get this through the book of Matthew that God is not just sending his kingdom through Jesus. He's sending his kingdom through you. And so it's not just that the kingdom is going to arrive in my life, but that the kingdom of God is going to arrive through my life as well. And so where we, as the people of God, go this week, we are now taking the kingdom of God with us, the presence of Christ through his spirit with us. And so as we go, what we should see through our lives is that justice is being dealt to all evil. Healing is dawning like the sun and the people of God are being defined by turning and returning to their God. That should be what's going on in a kingdom-minded church.
And so as we move into the book of Matthew, a study of the king and his kingdom, these are the things that we should be anticipating. These are the things that we should be expecting to see. Well, every week we want to learn to live. We don't just want to gather information and learn for the sake of learning, but we want to learn so that our lives can be lived differently. So let me offer you three questions this morning to consider from Malachi 4. The first question maybe is an obvious one, but I think we need to ask it. Has the kingdom of God arrived in your life? Has it arrived? Because if the kingdom of God has not arrived, then justice has not yet been dealt to the evil of your sin. Healing has not yet risen like the sun with healing in its wings. And you have not come back and returned to God. Has the kingdom arrived? Has it come? Jesus said this in the book of Matthew, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That doesn't mean that some people don't have ears. That means that some people are not listening. Are you listening? Are you receiving? Are you ready? And if you have not yet allowed the kingdom of God to arrive in your life, then today would you allow Christ to be King and Lord of your life? He is gracious, He is kind, and He is inviting. Today, trust Jesus alone as the King. Today, full surrender, nothing held back, completely given over to God. And if you will trust Jesus today, the King and his kingdom will come into your life and rule and reign. My second question is this, if you have trusted Christ and if the kingdom has arrived in your life, where do you need God to rise with healing? Where do you need God to rise with healing? Your sin has been dealt with, fully eradicated on the cross, taken care of. We celebrate it. We're thankful for it, but right now we are living in between the already and the not yet. Yes, the cross has happened. There has been the inauguration, but the consummation and the full consummation of it has not yet come because Jesus has not yet returned. And so we sit in the pain and the sorrow of the in-between. So if last week you brought your blue light stick and put it down here on the altar, what did that light stick represent in your life? Because that is probably where you need healing. And I just believe that what God has for us in 2024 is holistic healing. On a spiritual level, on a physical level according to his will, on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a relational level, God is coming to his people like the rays of the sun with healing. Where do you need God to rise? Invite Jesus to that wound and let him do what only he can do. And then finally, number three, how does God want to, quote, bring his kingdom through you? You and I will leave this room in just a couple of minutes. And we are gonna go into the world and we're gonna take the message of the king and his kingdom. And I'm gonna give you a little spoiler alert here. If you fast forward to Matthew 28, God is going to send his disciples into the world with the message of his kingdom. So this is a little cheesy, but we're gonna go with it. Kingdom dwellers are kingdom tellers. No squatters in this kingdom. We're not just here dwelling. We're not just here enjoying the, you know, free inheritance and 
no rent and all that stuff. We are kingdom dwellers. We are civilians of this kingdom, but now we are also kingdom tellers. And the kingdom of God is, is being brought through your life and through my life this week. Let's live with a heart that is listening to the spirit of God this week and aware of the ways that God wants us to bring his kingdom to our spheres of influence. And then let's watch as God does what only he can do as his kingdom continues to expand. This is the beginning, the anticipation of the arrival of God's kingdom. And what we will study for the next several months and even into the next couple of years is the arrival of the king and his kingdom. Can we pray together? Father, we are grateful for your word and its truth. Thank you. Thank you that you meet us and speak to us and you send the John the Baptist, those prophets when we need it. You send the message that we need to hear because you are kind and you are gracious. Help us to have ears to hear today and to respond in obedience to you. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about City Point Church, visit us online at citypointaz.com. You can also find us on social media at citypointaz. Be sure to leave a review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Now from us here at City Point Church, go seeking to live on mission for the glory of God with this truth stamped over your life that you are loved.